Seven. What's the worst date you've ever been on? No. Oh. <laughs> dated a lot of um, straight cis men. I have plenty of stories. <laughs> Two kind of come to mind and I'll try to, you know, make it short here. One, I think a lot of uh, people have unfortunately experienced this where this guy took me out to dinner. He like was rushing through the entire dinner. He clearly just like wanted to get back to his place. He like, I didn't even finish my food. I went to the bathroom. He like had gotten the check. I wasn't even done with like my, my drink. Jesus. Like it was, he literally was like, what do you want to drink? What do you want to eat? I'm ordering it right now. And then he like got the check as soon as the food came. Oh my God. It was wild. And again, I didn't even finish the food. I didn't even finish my drink. It was crazy. That's absurd. Second one that was in, um, that was in Georgia. This second one was in New York. I had just moved here. I was just like, you know, dating around, having fun. And I went on I went on a date with this one guy. I wasn't like super into him, but it kind of was just like something to do. I know that sounds terrible, but you know, no, we've I, all, we've I've all done on, it. I've gone on a fuck it date. We've all done it. Um, and he took me to see a show. And unfortunately, he showed up wearing a fedora. Oh, no. And I have a really negative view on fedoras. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's a no for me, Doug. We were in Times Square because, you know, we went to see a show. And um, it was really windy. Like, we just got this, like, gust of wind, and it blew the fedora off his head. And I have never rooted so hard for a motherfucking hat. <laughs> I was like, go, be free, be free, go be ugly somewhere else. And I, yeah. And, Far away from me. Yeah. And then and then I just, yeah, I, I, I from then on, was just kind of like, no. No, thank you. Right. And then, I mean, that's this is just, you know, the the very bottom of the iceberg or the tip of the, I don't know, whatever that saying is. This is just, <laughs> the, the, this is scrape, scraping the surface here. I have had some really awful experiences. Yeah. <laughs> just of just complete shit shows. Hey, babe. Yeah, babe. Remember that time we watched Fresh? You mean the 2022 directorial feature debut for Mimi Cave and Lauren Kahn? That's the one. Oh, this was a fun one. It really was. I'm I'm actually I'm very, very excited to talk about this. Likewise, yeah. I'm Nicole. I'm Topher. And we're the horror babes. Accurate. Here to talk about how awful dating is. <laughs> as, <laughs> yeah, this just became a dating podcast. Right. As two very um taken people. <laughs> I do feel bad. Like a lot of my friends, you know, I, I try to empathize and I commiserate with them, but then, you know, there are, there's always this like you know, underlying like "fuck you," you're in a relationship. You don't have to right. be on Hinge. You don't have to be on Tinder. Like any of these dating apps, I've actually never been on a dating app before. They suck. I I feel very fortunate to have never been on one. I don't know if I ever will be on one. I feel like I'd have to reach a point of desperation to get on a dating app. Like just me personally. I'm not trying to shit on anybody else. I'm not trying to yuck anybody's yum. Just for your own personal shit. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like some people have found great success from a dating app and loved it. Um, I'm Did sure those stories Borat? are out there. Huh? Did you just quote Borat? Did I? Great success. <laughs> Not intentionally, yeah, but well. I guess I did. Um, so I'm not trying to yuck anybody's yum out there. I'm just saying for me, I don't. I'm, I have anxiety. I can't do it. <laughs> There's not an. There is not a dose of Lexapro out there that could really help me through that. 
So with that said, um, getting very oversharing on this podcast once again, um, with that said, we're going to follow our normal format here today, which means Topher will take us through who made this thing, shout out the cast and the crew, and then I will take us through the plot, and then we will have a wonderful deep discussion on said plot. But first of all, do we have any horror news? We've had a lot this past month, so I wouldn't be surprised I, if I we don't. I think it's mostly done, because we've hit, we finished the Sundance, um, we finished the Sundance roundup and a couple of the other, like... And uh, the anticipation festivals. for the summer. Yeah. Like a lot of horror films will start, you know, um, dropping trailers during the spring. True, yeah. For their summer upcoming releases. And you know, we have a shit ton of releases in the summer f- oh my in God. the horror I don't know genre how we're see specifically. This year. <laughs> yeah, like I would say it is second to October. Yeah. Summer is the biggest release time for horror films. So. Yeah, it's, um, the only real news I have is that Churches is going back on tour with uh, their screen violence. I could see tour. that as being horror news. I mean, she literally finishes Lauren finishes the show in a T-shirt that says "Final Girl" covered in fake blood. You know, I love an arc. Mm-hmm. And you know, John Carpenter did produce on the album, so they're officially in the family. Yeah. All right, so then without further ado, who made this thing? So, as I said, Mimi Cave directed this. This is her first feature film. Um, she's been, um, she's done shorts and she's mostly done music videos before this. Yeah. Um, she did Lucius's, Lucius's Turn It Around. Um, Danny I love Brown. Lucius. I do too. Danny Brown, When It Rain, and I love Danny Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, Sylvan Esso's Die Young and Sleigh Bells um, and Saints. Nice. I love Sleigh Bells too. Yeah, there's, yeah. I saw her one time. Um, I saw her at Bonnaroo years ago. And it was as ratchet as you would believe. It was fucking great. Sick. So our writer was Lauren Kahn. Uh, she is. She used to work for Adam McKay, who produced this. Yeah. But she um, she worked on a bunch of the, the like Adam McKay movies, including Step Brothers. Um, she wrote Abisa mm-hmm. recently, um, and she's worked a bunch with like Lauren, uh, Eliza Coupe, some other bits and pieces. Yeah, she's mostly done shorts as well. I believe this is actually her first feature too. Yeah. Oh no, Abyss is her first feature. This is her second. So yeah, um, really fun. Definitely get the Adam McKayness of it all. Yeah. <laughs> Our star is Daisy Edgar Jones. She's pretty new to the game. Um, but yeah, she was in a show. Yeah, normal people. Normal people. Yeah. Yeah, which p- lots of people have great things to say about. Um, I personally have not seen it, but I do love this movie with her in it. Uh, we have Bucky Barnes himself, Sebastian Stan. He's also fresh off of. Um Pam and Tommy. Yeah. He did that. Yeah, he played Tommy Lee. Yeah. Which makes sense. He honestly he he has a little bit of a resemblance. Like I can definitely Enough, see it. yeah. Enough, yeah, it works. Um but yeah, he plays Steve, our uh dater slash antagonist. Yeah. <laughs> so Jojo T. Gibbs plays Molly, her best friend. Yeah. Um she has been uh she was in that show Twenties. I don't know if I ever saw that. I think it was a showtime show. Yeah, I don't think I did. Um but she also did uh, she voiced Eve in the Left Right game, which is one of my favorite series from uh, No Sleep. Oh, the, nice, yeah. nice, yeah, yeah. So she, uh, yeah, she played that. Um, it's a really cool series. You should go look it up on. Um, you, you can find it anywhere you get podcasts. Listen to it after you listen to us. It's really good. Yeah. Um, and she's very good in it. Um, but yeah, that story is fantastic. We had Andrea Bang as Penny. We mostly just hear her voice. Yeah, but she also uh, does have. We do see her a little while on screen. She's best known for uh, Kim's Convenience, which is really good. I need to finish that show. Yeah. We have uh, Dio Okanie as Paul. Uh, 
J- or Molly's uh, ex fling. <laughs> the bartender, yeah. Yeah. And then we had Charlotte Le Bon as uh, Steve's wife, Anne. Yes. Our music was from Alex Summers. Super good. Loved the music on this. Mm-hmm. Especially, it's so funny coming from, you, you know, we did soundtracks at Slap Month and then we did Goodnight Mommy, which has almost no score. And now yeah. we have this, which has score. It's just sort of standard, but it was very well done. Yeah, agreed. But yeah, he's, um, I know him from uh, Black Mirror. He did uh, the Hang the DJ episode, which oh, is nice. one of my favorites. Yeah. Our cinematographer was Pavel Pogrozelski. Uh, you might remember him from a little movie we we covered before called uh, Midsummer. I think I remember that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he also shot Hereditary. Um, he's got some things coming up as well, but those are the. So he's a he's a Ari Aster's a big fan. Yeah. Yeah. And our editor was Martin Pensa, um, who also did the Dallas Buyers Club. Nice. Yeah, editing on this was crisp. It was really good. We'll talk about that later. Production design was from Jennifer Morden, and the art direction was from Steve Scott and Sarah Stapleton, with yeah. our set decoration from Stephanie Ajmeria, which just had to shout them out because this movie is fucking stunning. Yes. So yeah, uh, this movie just came out, uh, premiered at Sundance in January, and was re- had a wide release in the United States via Hulu on March in March fourth yeah. of this year. Um, it's a nice runtime, hour and fourteen minutes, like right bang on a buck fifty four. Love it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it costs about $15, $20 million. Obviously, there's not much uh, information on box office because it was released via streaming. Yeah. It, it was uh, Sundance and then it went to Hulu. Pretty yes, much. exactly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's more or less what I have to say for now. Uh, why don't you tell us what happens in this dang thing? A lot. So here we go. Buckle up, friends. <laughs> so we have Noah, who is kind of on the online dating scene um, and... It just it's just a shit show. Like we yeah. see her go on this date, you know, with this guy that kind of this really sets it up as a little bit of a um satire from the or a complete satire from the beginning where we literally just all of those bullet points that if you scroll through TikTok like dating TikTok, you know, mm-hmm. and you hear recounts of people's dates and whatnot, it literally just was like check, check, check. So we've got this guy, first of all, wearing a t shirt and a scarf. Is this two thousand and one? What a like douche. yeah. He's wearing it's his favorite scarf. Like, are you cold? Are you hot? I can't tell. Um <laughs> and they're at, you know, um I would say like a like a um Chinese restaurant. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're at a they're at a Chinese restaurant that kind of resembles like, you know, your your cute Chinatown like diner. Yeah. You know, it looks nice. It looks really nice. Um it looks, you know, um but not expensive and I should definitely put yes. that in there because yes. yeah. So they're at this, you know, perfectly serviceable Chinese diner looking place, right? And yeah. they're eating and he's just making absurd comments about the way that she's dressed, um saying that, you know, um, it's funny, our parents' generation, like, women were much more into femininity. Like, you'd look great in a dress. Not saying that you don't look good in a sweater, but you'd look great in a dress. <sighs> and, like, all this bullshit. And then he, he's like, um, he asks her to, they go Dutch, which... Oh, he says they're going to go Dutch, and then she pays for everything. Yeah, that's right. That's right. She pays for everything. And also, he was like, um, oh, my brother's coming in town. Would you, like, mind if I took all of the leftovers? So she can't even yeah. take her portion of the food, and she ends up paying for, like, all of it. Um, and then he's rude to the waitress. 
um, not only rude, he's completely like racist towards it's the waitress. Ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's beyond rude. And so it's just, it's checking off all of these things. And then if that weren't enough, when he like goes in to kiss her and he kind of, and she rejects him, he's like, oh, you're not even my type anyway. Good luck finding a man, you like miserable bitch or something like that. Yeah. It, it was, it was something like that. And I was just like, damn. Like, and she of course said it very nicely. She said like, I don't think we're vibing. Like this isn't a match. Um, as always, uh, then he got butt hurt and got angry and just like walked away. And she was just like, what the fuck? What an asshole. So <laughs> it sets it up as a pretty great satire because it's very relatable from the jump. But it's it's satire that's like really rooted in truth. Absolutely. You know, because all of us are like, damn, I already relate to this girl. Like, mm-hmm. I feel for her. We've all been on dates like that where you're just like, who let like who taught you to behave this way? Jesus Christ, really. You know? Like, like, I mean, society did. <laughs> I mean, if you're playing a drinking game to this, our, our legendary drinking game, whenever I say the bar is in hell, take a shot. Like, come on, yeah. man. Because um, I've definitely been on that date, too, with a guy where it's just like, he, I didn't feel him, and he immediately just starts like being an absolute asshole. Oh, like, they're so into you until me. you reject them, and then they're like, you ugly... Like, you're the ugliest person alive. And you're just like, okay, great. Yeah. Oh, you're a tease. You're a bitch. You just didn't. You have any man? Yeah. Yeah. It's very familiar. It's <laughs> awful. Um, so then, you know, she's like on the dating apps. We kind of get these glimpses. She's she's commiserating with like her friend, um, Molly. And, you know, they're just like going back and forth about like, I, I just like, I can't do this. This is awful. Yeah. We, and we get like the unsolicited dick pic. Like, it's just take off all the boxes, you know? Yeah. And then she's just kind of doing some late night supermarket shopping, um, Noah is. And then we meet a man named Steve who kind of flirts with her. They end up exchanging numbers. Um, He, you know, uses a really lame pickup line, but then um, acknowledges that it's lame. So she's kind of like, oh, he can be like, I love self-deprecation. This is great. Here, have my number. Um, Yeah, it's very, it's very uh, rom-com-y. Again, the bar is in hell. Like, this guy uses this, like, really stupid pickup line, and she's like, sure. Yeah, he's um, disarmingly charming. Yeah. Um, and then they're on their first date. They they really hit it off. It's actually a really good date. They're having they're having good conversation. They're having drinks. They're, they seem very comfortable with each other. So we're like, okay, this is kind of, like, setting up to be a little bit of, like, a rom-com, like a meet-cute. Yeah. Um, but we know it's not. <laughs> um, <laughs> it turns out it's a meet-cute. Hey, so then, um, you know, they, they, they go back to her place. They have sex, all that stuff, all that, you know, first date stuff. Mm-hmm. And then they, they continue to see each other. And then Steve decides to invite Noah for a weekend um, away with him alone. And Molly's like, Mm-mm, this guy doesn't have an Instagram. Don't go. Yeah. Um, but he's a doctor and like. Yeah. He's a, he's a, um, a doctor, honey. A doctor. He's a doctor. Um, He's a reconstructive uh, surgeon. Reconstructive surgeon, yes. Yeah. Uh, and she gives him shit for that. Like, oh, plastic surgeon then, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah. it's cute. Yeah, no, they're, they seem like a very good match. Um, so, but Noah, against Molly's um, issues with it, agrees to go to go on the trip. And they were planning to travel early the next day. Noah stays um, at Steve's luxury home. Let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. Um, They're sharing a cocktail and Steve drugs Noah's drink and she's unconscious. Yeah, there's this whole bit of like, she's looking at him and like, she's like, oh, I don't feel great. And he's... He's she like, tries to get up. Yeah, and he's like, "Okay, yeah, no, I drugged you. It's, it's what you're thinking is true, but I'm not gonna. He's like, I'm not gonna rape you. 
it's going to be worse. <laughs> yeah. Um, dun, dun, dun. At but least yeah. he's honest. Yeah. But yeah, I <laughs> he's honest about his intentions. Again, the bar is in hell. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, I, and you know, he clearly has like, you know, a plan. Us as viewers watching it, we're like, oh no, girl. When he shows up and says, hey, I looked at traffic and it's terrible. And like, just like, that's not an excuse. So he's like, why don't you just come stay with me? And then we'll leave first thing in the morning. Yeah. So the plans get kind of like shifted. But of course, she's just like, oh, I trust you. Like, sure. Um, and then... She wakes up in captivity. She's chained to the ground. And then he explains that he's a butcher of human meat. And I want to I want to mention that when they when they're on a date and, and they get um, some uh, takeout or whatever, she gets some short ribs and she's like, do you want one? Like, this is some of the best like short ribs I've ever had. And he's like, oh, I don't eat animals. Note that distinction, everybody. Yep. He didn't say because nor- I that struck me as weird. I kind of knew the premise of this movie, right? But yeah, knowing the premise, it struck, but it was like, oh, oh. Well, I think it struck me no matter what because, um, because as a vegetarian myself, I don't say I don't eat animals because that kind of feels preachy to me. Right. It feels like you're you're saying that the other person's morals are. You know, lesser than, lesser yeah. than, and that's even the way. Like, it, that's how she responds. She's like, "Shit, sorry, I didn't mean it like that, bud. I'm so sorry. Like, you must think yeah. it's disgusting." It's like, no, 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 no. It's all good. It feels like accusatory in a weird way. So I always say, like, "Oh, I'm, you know, I don't eat meat," and I normally yeah. follow that with like, "But you enjoy, you know, like, exactly. yeah. yeah, I because I'm not someone who's gonna put my own thing on other people. I'm very live and let live. But he kind of, but with him saying like, "I don't eat animals." That's a very clear distinction, and it struck me because I don't use that type of language. Right. I either say I'm a vegetarian or I say I don't eat meat. Right. So I immediately was just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, that's weird. That's weird that you said that. <laughs> um, but then, anyway, so we get that whole reveal that he's a butcher of human meat and that he harvests women's body parts and sells them to wealthy client- clients for consumption. Cannibalism. And... Mm-hmm. Um, cannibalism and capitalism it's all you know he gets paid like thirty thousand dollars for minimum yeah minimum for this meat um and then he says that he will keep her alive as long as possible in order to keep her meat fresh <laughs> spooky um and then uh steve allows noah to take a shower but she uses it to try to escape which prompts steve to surgically remove her boote as punishment <laughs> i'm taking your ass <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the 90 day fiance crossover with a uh, eat my ass. Oh, God. And then <laughs> Jesus. And then later, Noah befriends another woman named Penny, who's in like, the I guess, the next cell over. Yeah. Um, they talk to the air vent. Yeah. They bond. It's very cute. Um, poor Penny is losing her mind um, yeah, along with her body right. parts. And so in the meantime, Molly is like these texts are really weird. Like mm-hmm. it, it doesn't make any sense. She does a reverse Google image search of the photo that was sent to her. And she finds that it's just on this generic website for like a, like a campsite, um, which shout out, shout out to that. Having, having the best friend actually have like a life and a character arc and agency and knows how to use Google. It's giving me, <laughs> it's giving me a uh, little rel in get out. Yes, Definitely. 100%. And like, yeah, I just, I definitely want to shout that out that she's not just like the sidekick here. She's literally saving her ass pretty much. And yeah, she's, well, 
No, she's not. Well, <laughs> that's true. been shipped off already. Why do I, I always make these stupid puns without even knowing it? It's su- It's very fun for me. I'm glad you recognize it, but but no, I love I, when when it happened. We were like, yes, finally, like a character knows how to use Google. Right. <laughs> I learned how to do the reverse Google image search from Catfish, that MTV show, because oh that's how they did. That's how they found out like if someone was using someone else's photo. And sure. I have definitely used it since. More so for just my petty shopping woes. Like I'll find like a pair of pants that I like, but they're not linked to a product and I'll just put it in the Google search thing. Nice. So it's all used for good, not evil. This is used for good as well because she's trying to, you know, save her bestie. So she starts investigating with her friend Paul, who was their bartender when they went out on their first date. Yes. And she's kind of, it's revealed that that Molly and Paul kind of used to hook up a little bit, but they kind of stopped. Um, and he seems very just kind of like, well, you know, he, he not like butthurt about it, but he's just kind of like, I'd keep hooking up if you wanted to. Like, yeah, you know, still throw it, like he's still a little shitty, like a little bit. Yeah. He kind of gives her shit for it. But, um, so he ends up helping her out by giving her, she's like, can you just give me his name? Like his last name would help from like his credit card or whatever. So now Molly's, you know, searching online. She finds out that Steve is an actually named, a man named Brendan and is married to a woman named Anne with, you know, he has children, a house, like this whole second right. life. And then believing that, that, that the worst part of this is that he's just having an affair, he goes to visit Anne and informs her of like all of these suspicions. But then during the conversation, Brent, uh, Brendan arrives and, you know, he's playing dumb. Um, and then he's confronted by Molly. And um, as she's leaving, she decides to call Noah's phone, which begins ringing in Brendan's pocket. And it's, thank you for being a friend. Oh, yeah, it is the Golden Girls. I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. I was like, that's so cute that you set your bestie's ringtone as that. I don't mm-hmm. ever use ringtones, but if I did, I Dope. would definitely do that. And it's um, oh, it's a great acting moment here from uh, Sebastian Stan where he's like... Shouldn't have done that. Yep. Yeah. And then um, Anne comes and just like clubs her with something um, from the back. And so that's how Molly's in danger, girl. Um <laughs> It's finally correct. It's finally correct. Molly, you in danger, girl, from the fabulous movie Ghost. And yikes, you guys, yikes. Oh, we should mention that we don't get, like, opening credits until about 30 minutes in. Yeah, it's a full half hour. It's right when the romantic comedy meet cute turns into a meet cute, like you were saying. Um, Yeah, and it's a great credit sequence. It is. It's, It's... very aesthetic. It's very cool. But yeah, I feel so bad for Molly in this instance. I'll talk about this later, but but the character development in this is really, really well done to where you, you're doing that typical horror thing where you're like, finish him, fuck him up. Like you are rooting for the main character so much that I was like saying it out loud. Yes, I was yes, like, I were. was like, come on guys, like get away. And that's like exactly what you want from this type <laughs> of like thriller um, cat and mouse situation. So I had a lot of fun. And so then later, Brendan invites Noah to dinner after she offhandedly asks what human meat tastes like. Um, Smart girl. Mm -hmm. And then he persuades her to taste a meal containing the meat disguised as spaghetti and meatballs, which she kind of reluctantly does, which fair. Um, And then Brendan returns Noah to her cell and she vomits a lot. Yeah, she vomits all of it up because she didn't want to actually eat it. Yeah. And then uh, Brendan takes Molly away for harvesting, 
<laughs> That's a terrible word to use. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Uh, and he should be noted cuts off her breasts. Yeah. And then he's feeling this connection with Noah. He keeps saying that he likes her. And um, it's revealed from Penny that, like, nobody else has had sex with him. Nobody's right. had, like, any of these experiences with him it's been very just like you know business Mm -hmm. and so he invites her to another dinner um which he gives her his ugly pink dress to wear yeah it's not great it's um and then (laughs) when she opens it it's pink yeah she's like "Eh." great back to the femininity femininity and like dresses so ugly it's so it would be unflattering on anybody like it's just an ugly dress Mm -hmm. um and then before dinner brendan shows noah a hidden compartment filled with items belonging to the victims it's like behind a painting Mm -hmm. um and then noah recognizes molly's phone among the stolen victims phones so after dinner noah persuades brendan to have sex with her where she starts to go down on him Mm -hmm. and um ends up biting off his dick Mm -hmm. bite it off bite it off bite it off bite it off just like in teeth yeah and then he's like ah she's like dripping with blood she makes her escape he's like you fucking bitch and we're all just like, run, bitch, run. run. She is so smart and puts her like handcuff, blah, blah, blahs, things in um, in the door, like handle or whatever. So he can't get out. Right. Smart ass bitch. And then he's like trying to get out. He ends up getting out. He She helps Molly and Penny escape from their rooms. And, and with all of these missing limbs, they're having trouble, you know. <laughs> Getting yeah, because Penny's missing a leg. Yeah, and they have to go up these this like winding staircase. It's like at least fifty stairs just to get out of like the basement area. Right. Um. So it's a nice bit of like it's kind of it's very Raimi ish in the comedy here in the middle of the uh, chase where you're just like fuck the thing that this guy did to us really rendered us just like like this is making <laughs> this really difficult. Yeah. Um. And you know. He's he's obviously like he hasn't put in anything to help anybody here. No, you know he's just he's he's just cutting off limbs and then just being completely ableist with his house. Yeah. <laughs> like nobody can get out. But you know that's obviously his um, mo. Uh, we should note too that the wife goes into the shower and it's revealed that she has a um, prosthetic yes leg uh, beneath the knee. So mm-hmm. she has been am- she's an amputee from from the um, knee down. Yes. Um, so that's an interesting tidbit here. Um, it, it felt very, it felt very playboy to me how there's like the one who's become like the wife sort of. Oh, are you like, okay. Like the old, uh, like the house bunny. There we go. And then, and then you've got, um, and then you've got everyone, everyone else who's also just being exploited. Yes. <laughs> I see what you mean. I like it. Yeah, like, you know, she kind of worked her way up and maybe convinced him not to sever any more of her limbs. I'm not sure. Um, and then they they run into him in the kitchen and they're like, they're, we've got this huge fight scene. Um, Molly ends up kicking him, which knocks him out. They, you know, it, it's, it's very back and forth. A lot of things happen. I don't really... There's a knife involved. We've definitely got, um, like you said, like the super... 
the super strength of the villain. Like right. that definitely comes right. in because so many things happen to this guy. Like his head is smashed, his uh his uh hamstring gets slashed and stabbed and like he he really shouldn't be moving as quickly as he is. <laughs> Probably not at all. I mean, his dick also was just Yeah, he's missing off. some genitalia. Like, like, it's just, it's kind of wild. But yeah, we've talked about that before of how the, the villain kind of ends up having a superpower yeah. or a super strength where like, it's like a cockroach. You can't, you can't kill him. Um, and they, they end up escaping into the woods. Um, and then Brendan has a gun. He's just, yep. you know, grabbed a gun. Um, and they manage to kind of, you know, they manage to attack him again. And Noah takes the gun and ends up shooting him dead. Um, we, we, he dies with a smile on his face. Sure does. Um, and then Anne arrives at the house and finds Brendan's body. She's been texting him, calling him like, where are you? You know, when are you coming home sort of thing? She's, you know, obviously in on the whole deal. So, you know, she finds she finds uh, she finds him dead in the back in the woods and finds Noah because Noah goes to get her fucking phone. Ma'am, yes. you have one phone. Um, Molly has her phone. Yeah, exactly. Why do you yeah. need yours? It, yeah, it's so strange. I know that Molly doesn't have um, service, but do you think you're going to magically have service? Yeah, who knows? I, I, you know, I don't know why she goes back. and This is kind of a weak point in the plot for me. Like, why does she go back and get her phone? Other it's, than just yeah. to have this encounter with Anne. You know, like right. it doesn't make sense. And so Anne tries to strangle her, but um, Molly ends up ends up bludgeoning her to death with a shovel. It's a great comedy bit here, too, because we get the, the saving moment of whacking her in the, in the head and then the smashing her head to oh like a God. pulp. And she's like, you wouldn't help me, bitch. You're the problem. Yeah. Which, you know, it's obviously referring to like women not helping other yeah. women. Yeah. Um, and you're part of the problem. She's <laughs> like dead. Um, and then her and Molly relax at a nearby tree. And um, hilarious beat. I was laughing so hard at this when mm-hmm. they're chilling out. And, and, and Molly's kind of like, like, did you, did you know he's married and has like kids? And um, Noah starts like laughing. He's like, he's married? <laughs> As if everything that just happened wasn't crazier yeah. than that. Like it's it's was honestly so it yeah, was right there, on. but it was great. It was so great. I'm glad that they took that beat. Um, so then when they're chilling, we see Noah's phone, which I guess this is also the reason why she needed to go back to be around her phone. I don't know. She gets a text from a man that she went out with at the beginning of the film being like, you up. Yep. So basically just telling us that like, despite all of the trauma that you can go through, there still will be an insufferable man named Chad that wants to sleep His with you. His name is literally Chad. Yeah. And then um, we get the credits, but then we have a mid credit scene, which um, shows five of Brendan's clients in a white room seated at a table with bleeding human meat at the center. A satanic symbol is displayed during the end credits, indicating that Brendan and his clients were part of a Satanist organization. Yeah. It's an unnecessary beat, but it's nice. Yeah. It's like, why not? <laughs> Fuck it. Fuck it. Yeah, I don't I don't necessarily know even where to begin with this, uh, because I do have a lot to say about this, obviously. I'm the one who's always like um talking about how women are treated in films and this is this movie's kind of that's that's what it's about. You know, it's a right, feminist right. satire moment. Um but I guess I'll start with that I had a blast watching this. This was so much fun. I thought it was really great. I read just like a couple of reviews online that were saying that like, oh, it was really predictable. It, you know, it, it, it wasn't as derivative as it thinks it is, like blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I think that all of these things that were in this kind of like, you know, negative review, I think that all of those things work in its favor. Yeah. I think it's good that it's predictable as a satire. It kind of should be. 
um, in a way. And it did have some twists. You know, we kind of knew the twist. It wasn't, nothing was really that shocking. Um, No, not really, no. But I think, again, I think that that works in its favor because it gives it space to really be as horrifying as it needs to be. If it was convoluted and we were having all these twists and turns, but also processing what's happening to these women, I don't think that it would have been as effective. I think that's right. You can't, you know, you can't cloud like a message like this too much or else it becomes a little overwhelming and again convoluted yeah um it was was nice too that they there's a there's a nice beat with paul that we didn't mention where he finds his way to the house he says fuck this shit when he hears like the the shots fire yeah yeah he's there right when the shots go off he's like no nope not today not today not today not today. I do, I do want to mention, too, that they keep telling Molly to call the police. And she's just gives them this look of like. Yeah. What? Like, it's, it's again, it's that. It's, yeah, it's that it's that it's that blindness that a lot of like white women or white people have of just like, why don't you call the police? That's what I would do. And yeah. It's like, well, yeah, because the police don't kill you. Yeah, it's yes. That's very much a beat in the movie. Yeah, it, it's it's very it's it's um very overt. It's not um, subtle at all. No, not even quite. Not it, even close. Yeah. It happens quite a bit where Molly's just like sighs, like takes a yeah. deep breath, like seriously, what do you think they're going to do? Yeah. Um, no, I mean, this movie's really, really great. I, so yeah, I pulled up a couple of reviews of this movie um, that I liked more than, uh, these are the ones that I liked a little bit more. So yeah, I, there's one from uh, the Irish Times by uh, Tara Brady. Yeah. And... She calls it uh, comically twisting the source genre away from the concept of the final girl. Fresh celebrates female camaraderie, resourcefulness, and good humor in the face of monstrous behavior. And I think that that really like nails it on the head. Yeah, um, 100%. It's, that's exactly what I would say is like the logline of this movie. is it's, it, it is a twist. It is a fresh take on the genre. Um, yeah, I, I really liked it. It didn't. People kept calling it like feminist revenge, and I don't think that's true at all. I would never no. characterize it that way. I don't think it's. I don't think it's feminist revenge because Noah is never seen as weak. No, no, she's very firm in her convictions, very like cynical a bit, but like proud of herself. And listen, it's so quick. People are so quick to obviously blame women in these types of situations for, I guess, their na- naivete. Um, for being for being naive, um, for trusting someone who seemed trustworthy, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a really uh, critical view of it. I think that it's not fair that we don't blame the men for for their wrongdoings. We blame the women for you should have known better. Yeah, yeah, and it's, that's, victim blaming in it. Yeah, it's yeah, it's victim blaming, and and that's exactly what. Um, where a little bit of the satire comes in, where you're supposed to feel that way for Noah. You're supposed to be like, you dumb bitch. You know what I mean? Like, it, And that's kind of the satire part of it, where I think that they're kind of more so shining a light on that, where Molly has been the voice of reason. Mm-hmm. And Noah's just like, oh no, he's like really great. I trust him. But they, she does take precautions too. Like, she's like, hey, here's where I'm going to be. Yeah. Here's the, here's the, here's everything. Like, gets into the address, I think, and like all of that. Um, yeah. And so I appreciate that. Molly shares her location with Paul, which is how he knows how to find her. Because listen, I'm going to make a, a, a broad, very heteronormative statement here for sure. But correct me if I'm wrong. Women have been conditioned to either see or think of men as either a threat or a romantic interest. 
And I know that that's putting it in a very like black and white yeah, no. standard, but we're always assessing. Mm-hmm. We're always assessing whether someone, even if they are a romantic interest, if they are a threat, we're yeah. always yeah. assessing that. So I think that this movie really kind of sheds light on that as well. It it starts out as she's always kind of sussing out just like women tend to do. And I'm not saying that only women do this, but it is kind of been a conditioning tech. You know, we've yeah, been yeah. conditioned to believe this. 100%. Um, and it's literally for our own safety. It's like for survival and whatnot. So um, even when you have like a romantic interest, you still have to be skeptical. And that's the unfortunate mm-hmm. part. And that's what this movie kind of, you know, shines a light on that. She's kind of swept up in this like really quick romance where she's just been like, oh, like he he doesn't make me pay, you know, for the first date. He's a gentleman, which I don't I don't really care much about, like the paying for the first date. It's it's how you present the idea. Exactly. Right? Yeah, it's, it's always how you, like the woman can totally pay for the first date. I don't give a shit, like do whatever you want to do. But it's really just how it's presented. Like, obviously, the first guy dealt with it in a Chad dealt with it in a really shitty way. Right. Ten like ten times over. But what I'm really getting at here is that even with a romantic interest, you have to kind of have that thought in the back of your mind. Mm -hmm. And she got swept up by this, like, the bar being so low with him just being decent to her. Yeah, him being charming and decent. Yeah, and that kind of... I mean, that ended up being being not even her downfall because she does rise to the top at the at the end and she's fine um well not fine she's got a lot of therapy ahead of her but she's alive yes um, and and mostly most of one piece mostly yeah and i think also this is where this idea of i'm different i can fix him comes in yeah because she keeps asking him like you know why why did you sleep with me and nobody else why, did 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 Melissa get a candlelit dinner? Right. And he's like, no, she didn't. And while I don't believe that Noah believes that, that she's different, she can fix him. It's playing with that trope. She's, yeah, it's, it's, it's playing with that trope and she's using it to her advantage where mm-hmm. she's playing along for her own safety which is something that women have to do all the time. Right. Um, and she's planning her escape the entire time. So she's using it. She's using this power that he has over her in her favor, which is really smart. Um, but the movie itself, the viewpoint of the movie itself is playing with that trope for sure. Yes. Yes. That is, that's the goal here. The idea that men can like, or anybody really can love bomb you and then turn out to be just like a dickhead and, <laughs> or a evil surgeon. Literally. Um, And you have to kind of use that to your advantage. You kind of can't be honest with them. You have to be kind of like sneaky and whatnot to get what you want out of the situation and then bounce. Um, It's even used, like, we see it with Anne, too. Like, when that moment when she finds his body, she's like, God damn it, dude. Yeah. And the only reason she goes after the other woman is to protect her family. I think there's, there's some jealousy and some anger. For sure. Towards Noah, hence the like strangling being used as a very personal, intimate sort of way to kill somebody. Yeah. Right? It's not as um it's not as removed as other methods of murder. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying not to be like delighted in it. Um but it's yeah, I think there's that's used there. Um 
But she's also doing it. She's like, well, I we have kids and this is my life and I don't want to lose my life. So... Yeah, she's living... Um, gotta she, gotta protect the family. She's living pretty lavishly. I mean, $30,000 minimum for like a little shipment of human meat. Yeah. <laughs> um... But yeah, I think I I think that this movie has a lot of layers to it that you could kind of really dig into here. And I I read it, I came across a review that was, you know, saying like this is this turns into like torture porn, blah blah blah. I'm like, not really. I think it's more so in my opinion, I think it's more so making a statement and it is more of a feminist satire than it is torture porn because I you don't really see like if we're thinking about torture porn, you don't really see any of that. Like, yes, obviously they're being tortured by being in a cell, uh, isolated. They don't know what day it is, what time of day it is. And then if they quote unquote do something wrong, they get a body part chopped right, off. Right. And they're going to anyway, Oh, as time goes by, like they are going to yeah. be tortured. But Mentally. Yeah. yeah. And physically. And I mean, physically. Like, yeah. But um, I think you're bang on because I, Torture porn revels in the violence. This doesn't uh, do that at all. Yeah. So, like, um, there's a really great review I read from the LA Times from Sarah Ty Black. Yeah. And so she says, I'm jumping in the middle of a quote here. Despite its consistent boundary pushing, knows how to use its visual style and tone effectively. Here, violence against women is not reveled in or embellished by an all-too-gleeful cinematography, but rather it rejects certain forms of visual spectacle while leaning wholeheartedly into others in a way that stands with, even cheers for, its women characters. And so, like, there's a reference to... It feels like a reference shot to Ex Machina in here, where they're dancing together. Mm -hmm. And they're both facing camera. And she's staring blankly down with a flat affect and he's smiling and enjoying himself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and I think that's really, really cool. That's one of my favorite shots. It's all in like the, the whole sequence of once we're in the house is like shot primarily in like really soft neon purples Yeah, and reds. And it looks fantastically. Like it is. This is a gorgeous, gorgeous movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's using that moment to sort of show that. Right. Yeah. Um, where normally, and it makes, and like even the comedy makes you feel the horror of it. Oh, definitely. I, we've always talked about how comedy and horror are sisters. Yeah. You know, they're, they're from the same, cut from the same cloth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that this movie actually uses it in a pretty brilliant way. Um, where you have that kind of nice contrast of like, oh, that's funny, but that's also really dark and evil. Yeah. And it makes you feel more. Yeah, it, it deepens the horror of the situation that there, like, there are jokes and there are really cool beats here, you know, that yeah. that land in a different way. Yeah, using the comedy to deepen the horror. The same thing we've talked about with like somebody like Sam Raimi or Wes Craven, yeah. where you're using the funny bits to be like, oh no, I feel I, <laughs> I am in danger. Yes, absolutely, one hundred percent. I just like I just I I was rooting for the women the entire time and again I had so much fun such a blast just yelling at the screen being like finish him like come on you like you have a knife yeah, like fucking we're literally rooting for them and also like just put a penny on your back let's go piggyback ride time piggyback ride baby um but yeah it was that that part of it was just such a blast and that really speaks to the character development because it could have been you know really easy to just not care um but i love seeing molly and noah's friendship how close they are how much they care about each other um 
how they lift each other up, how they, you know, they, mm-hmm. they want the best for each other. And just seeing them as whole people, they're not really defined by the people around them. We know a lot about Noah. Yeah, we have a rich life for all of them. We know that she doesn't have parents. They bond over that. But that's the thing is he's like, oh, well, you know, that's he's, he's fishing for the you don't have family. Yep, they're always going to choose people who will have the least amount of people looking for them. But then Molly comes to the motherfucking rescue. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. And that's what I, that's part of what I was getting at with the Paul moment is that it's funny. But it also gets rid of that whole like knight in shining armor moment. Oh, totally. Where he's just like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, uh, he even says like, Molly, this one's on you, babe. <laughs> Hope yeah. you make it like hope you make it out, but I'm not fucking with it. And she did. She, she did. She out. did. She did. But yeah, no, it's one of the it's it, it it this movie lands a lot in really cool ways. And it was a it is a fresh take on the genre. I really enjoyed it for that. Like I did too. I didn't have I was pleasantly surprised. I wasn't sure if I was going to like it or not based on the trailer. The reason the reason that I actually ended up saying like yeah let's you know this is one of my picks let's go ahead and cover this is because it is it is pretty much solely created by women if this mm-hmm. was written or directed you know and or directed by a man absolutely not yeah, I would not I don't have think it would be... I would not have watched this um, but the fact that it's written and directed by two women I was like okay let's you know let's give it a shot. And I was pleasantly surprised. I thought that it was fun. I thought that it was sickening in every sense of the word. I yeah. thought that it was—it did exactly what it said on the tin. I was very um, pleased with that. And I guess the other thing that I kind of—I kind of want to get in, into the actual malice of it, like the the idea of what Steve or Brendan—forgot his name—Steve or Brendan whoever he's going by at the moment is actually doing. So with the whole like plastic surgery, reconstructive surgery, like Mm -hmm. whatever, obviously that has been a huge thing in, in everybody's history, but women have a little bit more pressure on them for that physical. And it's one of those things where men or women, men and women both do it a pretty equal amount, but women are pressured into it and then, and then scrutinized for it. Yeah. Men, it's more like, oh, they're taking care of themselves. Women, it's like, oh, she got a nose job. Where I'm just like, if that will make you happy, babe, go for it. Yeah. Um, a little rhinoplasty, get a little rhinoplasty. Yeah. Who cares? You know, if that'll make you happy, do it. But don't do it for anybody else. Um, so there's obviously this over um, overarching idea of, you know, the callous mistreatment of women. Um, just where there's no thought about it. It's just... They're being mistreated. Right. Right. And then there's this whole background of medical malpractice, mm-hmm. um, women, and then especially women of color have traditionally been, yes. you know, either uh, gaslit, you know, um, uh, perform had the wrong procedures performed, botched procedures, like ignored, in, ignored, like all of these things in, 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 you know, medical history, which is extremely unfortunate, but it's also one of those things like when I, when I did my pre and postnatal training for uh, my Pilates certification, I learned a hell of a lot about how terrible women's healthcare actually is. It's, yeah, it's how, a nightmare. And I've seen it in my classes too, when people come in who are pregnant, um, sometimes the information that I'm giving them is the first time they've ever heard this. 
Right. And it's really unfortunate and um and it's it's literally just like a money making machine. They want women in and out. That's why the US is the has the highest number of C-sections because it can be planned. Right. Um and labor can take 1 to 24 out like it, you know you're just there 30 for my mom yeah exactly it can i i didn't want to put a number on it because the limit does not exist um labor is a a moment um i have not been through it other than my own birth but <laughs> <laughs> you remember that pretty well you know i think i was in there for a while i think my mom had had some trouble um i did not want to come out i was i was warm and cozy but uh Gross. they had to they had to break my they had to break my collarbone because oh, I have broad shoulders. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm big boned. Um, and so uh, I lost my train of thought when thinking about childbirth. Uh, but uh, yeah, that, that's what we're that's what they're kind of commenting on. That's why this is what he does. You know, like they're yeah. commenting on like that malpractice in women, especially. Um, I'm not saying it's only women that face that, but it is by an exponential amount. It is more so. Towards yeah. women and then again women of color. And he she's one of the only white women we see when we see his like wall of victims. Yep. Um, cause Penny is Asian. Uh Molly is black, as we said. Uh there's a Middle Melissa Eastern woman. Melissa is Hispanic. Yeah, Melissa's Hispanic, yeah. And then uh the woman who was in the cell before Noah was uh Middle Eastern. Yep. So I think Persian. But yeah, like um That's definitely something of note. Yeah, it was just something that like jumped out at me right away. I was like, "Oh, there are very few white women on that board." Yeah, and then the uh, also the idea of attaching that on to malpractice. I mean, it's it's there's a correlation between his wife and Noah. Yes, they're both the only white women that we're seeing here, mm-hmm. and they're getting special treatment. Yes, right. So that's definitely a point. And then beyond that, there's the lack of body autonomy. Um, the idea that men feel like they own women's bodies and the reason, like she asks him, she, she asks him, um, do you only do this to women? And he's like, women taste better. And he's, it's that the clients want to, they want women. Yeah. They want to know that that's why he puts their personal belongings in the boxes in photos of them because they want to feel closer or whatever. So that's, you know, again, a lack of body autonomy, right? That's, Mm -hmm. that's the feeling that these men can own a piece of you. when they don't deserve it Um, just because they have power and money because money equals power in this capitalist society. Um, I am on so many soapboxes today, but you guys should have known when we said we were going to cover this, you should have known like Nicole is going to be in rare form today. Um, And then on top of that, again, like the third thing that I want to talk about with what he's actually doing to them is we've had this idea. So we've already talked about, um, women of color and like mm-hmm. malpractice, right? We've talked about how um, uh, the two white women in this film get a certain form of privilege. Yes. And then we've also talked about, uh, the, the next thing that I want to talk about is the idea, another conditioning that women have typically gone through has been like, you have to make yourself smaller. You can't take up a lot sure. of space. Yeah. So the idea that he's taking pieces of them, very literally making them smaller, very literally making them smaller is it's, definitely a commentary yeah. on body image and this idea of how much how small do you want to make us? How much room are we allowed, quote unquote, to take up? 
Right. With that whole idea of like diet culture and like, you know, the idea of the ideal body type for men and whatnot, it's normally a very small, small framed person. They might have, you know, with boobs and a butt, but like that's the biggest parts of them. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? So the idea of having this quote unquote perfect body is the idea of making it as small as possible. Right. So it's definitely commenting on that as well. So we're just getting a multifaceted, like (laughs) women have it rough out here. (laughs) Like from every angle, Jesus Christ. And it's, it's all the last thing I would say is I just found it really interesting that he kind of feels like he's doing them all a favor by making, he's like, you'll be taken care of. It'll be pleasant for you. Like you've got like comfort and these rooms are really pretty and all that shit. Yeah. And it's like, oh, man, do you you really do think you're doing them a favor? He's they so good at being do. sinister, by the way. He His performance is stellar in this. I mean, everybody nails it in this movie. Definitely. But good God, he's sinister. Because his wife being all Stepford-y. He's definitely, he's definitely a standout in this. Like, everyone did a really great job. But, yeah, he's he does a really great job of letting us believe that he really delights in doing all of this and he's money hungry he he makes a shit ton of money and then i mean he eats the meat himself he's literally cutting a leg like it's fucking prosciutto yeah yeah you know? he has it just like laying out on the thing and he he's just, like, cured this meat <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah um that's that's more or less what i have to say yeah you know i'm gonna fi- watch it again i'm finally gonna shut up you know i, I feel like i've been <laughs> just been talking for like the last two hours um about this but yeah, this is a very stacked movie. It really, really, really is. Um, and again, I, I feel like you guys probably assumed what <laughs> what I was going to say uh, throughout this whole thing. I think it's a really great feminist satire. Um, I know a lot of people will disagree with me thinking that it's, you know, torture porn and blah, blah, blah and, and, and predictable. But I think all of those things work in its favor. And I do not think this is torture porn. Yeah. And I, this is, I can't recommend this movie enough. It's fantastic. I think it, I think it gives you a very obvious look into what women unfortunately have to deal with again i think i think the quote that encapsulates it perfectly is that we've been conditioned to either think of men as either a threat or a romantic interest Mm -hmm. yes we have male friends but i mean come on we did that friendship how did that friendship start you know what i mean like you're always you're always sussing it out you're always figuring it whether this person's going to do you harm or are you attracted to them or both yeah it's a constant assessment, and that's really what this movie, for me, comes down to. Dope. Yeah, that's all I have to say. Cool. <laughs> Just two hours of rambling. It's fine. So you guys know where to find us. We're on Instagram at Horror Babes Podcast. We're on Twitter at Horror Babes Pod, and we have a little website, horrorbabespod.com. If you're enjoying this, feel free to give us a rating or a review on iTunes. We really appreciate all of your feedback, or tell some friends, friends and family, if you'd like. Yeah. And until next time. Bye, babes. Hey, babe. Yeah, babe.
Beep, beep, beep.